0: You're listening to the Women's HealthCast, a podcast about issues and innovations in women's health from the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. The Well Woman visit, our annual checkup with a gynecologist, is not always anticipated with excitement, but this regularly scheduled visit is a great opportunity to check in with your health care provider about mental and physical health concerns, and it's also when many of us get crucial cancer screenings. I wanted to learn about those screenings, you know, what's the difference between the HPV test and the pap smear, and what to expect during the annual checkup, so I asked Cynthia Wattlett. Dr. Wattlett is an assistant professor in the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. Today, I am talking to Dr. Cynthia Wattlett. We're gonna learn a little bit about um, Well, Women Visits and Annual Exams, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, I'm curious um, what your practice looks like and why patients come to see you. I am a general OBGYN provider,
1: so I provide full-scope women's health services. I'm also the medical director at our residency program's continuity clinic, so I do a lot of resident education. And then I cover labor and delivery calls, so I deliver babies and do C-sections and
0: things like that. I'm really curious about the um, sort of the general GYN aspect of your job because I think yeah. that's where this well woman visit kind of fits in. Mm-hmm. So, what is the the annual checkup, the well woman visit? What is
1: that exactly? So, the American College of OBGYN recommends that women um, come in roughly once a year. And that's a time to keep in contact with your healthcare provider, make sure that you know who your provider team is. They'll do a bunch of assessments, looking at things like, are you having any issues with depression? Do you have any social support or resources that you need? How are you doing with your diet and exercise? Do you need to plan for a pregnancy event? Do you want to prevent a pregnancy event? So maybe you need to talk about contraception. And then there's a lot of other screening um, and you know risk factor assessment that's in that visit. So it's really a time to keep in close touch with your healthcare provider, optimize your care, and get any kind of screening that you might need.
0: When in their life should someone start getting those regular exams?
1: Um, well, you know, in, in the pediatric years. Babies are in and out of their doctor's offices really often, and roughly once a year starting in adolescence, the American College of OBGYN recommends that women come in. Now, some women need to come more often than once a year, so if you're having any health issues, um, issues with your menstrual periods, issues with you know family history or personal history of diseases, you may have to come in more often, but at least once a year starting in adolescence.
0: Can you kind of walk me through um, the visit? What kind of um, screenings or tests or counseling can patients sort of expect for a standard check-in? Right,
1: so when a woman comes in for just a routine well woman visit, um, she can expect to, you know, be checked in by the medical assistant. We always check your, you know, your height and your blood pressure and your weight, kind of making sure that if you have any issues with, you know, blood pressure being elevated or issues with um, needs to address diet and exercise, we can talk about that during the visit, and then take a health history, look at your personal history, any concerns that you might have for today, look at your family history. So there's going to be some time of just discussion and history taking, and you have. To time to bring up any concerns that you might have for that visit. And then the remainder of the examination and any tests that might be recommended kind of depend on your age. So for younger women, we recommend routine testing for sexually transmitted diseases because we want to pick those up. Many of them can actually be Without any symptoms. So, for younger women, we want to check annually and treat anything that we find to prevent any future complications. And then, you know, as women get older, so beyond the age of 21, we start doing cervical cancer screening. So, that might involve a pelvic examination and um, other tests that might be included, would be like, depending on your age, cholesterol screening, screening for osteoporosis, colon cancer screening breast cancer screening. So there's a whole host of things that might be brought up depending on your age and then your risk factors.
0: I'm really curious about the um, cervical cancer screenings. Okay. Um, Because I know there are sort of two different screenings and I'm curious why one would be used over the other. So I'm thinking of um, the HPV test Mm -hmm. and a, a PAP test. Can you tell me what each of those are? Sure, so the PAP test is a sampling
1: of the cells that are on the surface of the cervix. So in order to get that sample, your doctor would place a speculum and look at the cervix and then use a little brush to just kind of gently rotate the brush on the surface of the cervix and then some of the cells on the surface would go into the brush. And then that brush is put into a liquid medium and it's sent off to the department where they can look at the cells under the microscope for us and tell us if there's anything concerning there that might be signs, for instance, of a precancer or a cancer on the cervix. So the pap test is really to look at the cells The HPV test is sort of a different test. That's a test looking for the actual virus that can cause cervical cancer. And we'll send that off either alone or as an adjunct to the pap smear. It just depends on the screening protocol that's used. So it depends, again, on your age. And then it depends on... Uh, which screening protocol is in place. Some institutions use others, sometimes they offer all of them, and there's really kind of three different screening options. So one option would be to do pap smears only, and that would be just to look at the cells. Sometimes you can use both pap smears and the viral testing, and sometimes you can use viral testing alone. So all three are considered reasonable options, but again, it depends on your age and sort of what's available at the site that you're getting your care.
0: What are the um, American College of OBGYN's recommendations for age on those different tests? Gotcha. So um, pap smear testing should start at age
1: 21. We don't do routine HPV viral testing in women that are under the age of 30. So the recommendation between the ages of 21 and 30 is to do pap smears only, and that's every three years. And then starting at the age of 30, We usually recommend doing both at the same time, so do a pap smear test and an HPV test at the same time. If they're both normal, so your cells look normal under the microscope and your viral testing is negative, then you only need to be tested once every five years. So that's the most highly recommended by the American College of OBGYN.
0: What happens if
1: those tests aren't normal? That's a great question. So if the tests aren't normal, then it depends on what the results are. There's some kind of complicated algorithms that we use, both the American College of OBGYN and another society called the American Society for Colposcopy and Cervical Pathology have a whole series of complex flow sheets that tell us, Depending on the cellular findings and depending on the HPV viral testing, what should we do next? What would be the appropriate interval for screening again? Sometimes it's just a matter of repeating the pap smear or repeating the HPV test at a certain interval, like a year or two years. And other times, if the cellular changes are more concerning for a precancer or a cancer, or the viral testing is one of the highest risk viral types for causing cancer, then we actually do a more detailed examination called a colposcopy.
0: What's a colposcopy?
1: Okay, Uh, A colposcopy is an examination where, again, we look at the cervix using a speculum and then use a microscope with a light, uh, first using a green light to look for any blood vessel changes on the cervix, and then using a bright white light And we actually apply a dilute acetic acid solution to the cervix. That highlights any abnormal areas. And if we need to take any biopsies, we can do that. And the point of doing that examination is to really identify if there are any abnormal cells on the cervix, so we can do a biopsy.
0: And then we would know if a precancer or cancer is present. So you mentioned that um, depending on how some tests come back, there might be a a recommendation for different frequency, like if your um, pap test does come back showing abnormal cells, maybe you'll come back the following year. Mm -hmm. Does the recommendation for frequency visits change at all as, as you age? Um, it does change a little bit after age 30,
1: like I said, because you can do pap smear testing and high-risk HPV testing together. If they're both normal, you don't need to be screened again for five years. Now, if they're abnormal at that point, the most likely result would be that you would need a colposcopy at that point, And then the findings of the colposcopy would dictate whether you need treatment for a cervical cancer or precancer, or whether follow-up with routine screening would be an
0: option for you. So again, it just depends what the exact findings are I'm curious about if people still need these regular appointments with their providers after menopause and if the screenings or tests or procedures change at all after sort of that time of life Yeah definitely I think the
1: time around menopause and after menopause is still a very important time to keep in close touch with your healthcare team as women go through menopause it's often not clear exactly when menopause is happening so A lot of women come in with concerns about irregular menstrual periods or other symptoms like hot flashes, mood changes, maybe difficulty with sexual activity because of vaginal dryness. So those are all important things to bring up with your healthcare provider, because sometimes we need to do additional diagnostic testing to make sure there's not something serious going on, or to help you cope with some of the symptoms as you're going through menopause. And then after menopause, it's also continues to be really important to keep in close touch, at least on an annual basis, because we're still talking about things like, you know, cholesterol screening, heart health, talking about breast cancer screening, so you may need continued mammography. We still do cervical cancer screening um, up until at least age 65, sometimes longer if you have a personal history of any kind of cervical precancers. And then we're also talking about colon cancer screening.
0: So there's still a lot of reasons to continue coming in at least once a year. So since these visits are such a sort of a fixture in our lives and um, a frequent thing that we have to do. How can we prepare as patients to kind of get the most out of our time with our physicians?
1: I think one of the things that you could do to really prepare for the visit would be to, you know, make a list of any concerns or questions that you have so you can make sure and bring those up at the visit. And also to, as much as you can, Bring in your family history, because that can also help dictate how much risk there may be for you or even for your kids and what kind of screening tests you might want to have. Sometimes we'll do screening tests early if you have a strong family history. So for instance, if you have a family history of colon cancer or breast cancer, that may change the screening recommendations. So having information, if possible, about your family
0: history can be really helpful. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Wattlett. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Mood changes around pregnancy and childbirth are very common, but for something like 20% of women, these changes can become more severe. On the next Women's HealthCast, Dr. Julianne Zweifel discusses perinatal mood disorders like postpartum depression and anxiety. The Women's HealthCast is a production of the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can subscribe to the Women's Health cast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WISCOBGYN. Please let us know how we're doing, rate and review us in your podcast app, and let us know what women's health issues you'd like to learn about. Thanks for listening.